You're listening to Wildlife Podcast, the podcast where we answer the questions you have about the ins and outs of planning your most special day. To submit questions for the show, follow us on Instagram at Wildlife Podcast. Sorry, two seconds, my son's just decided to hop out of bed. What's up, buddy? I heard you something. I heard you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to go hop back into bed or I'm going to take your iPad off you. Who? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Have a good sleep. He just sneaked out of bed. Okay. No, nice. No, nice. Love you. Hey everyone, I'm Ethan. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Wild Love Podcast. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In the last few episodes, we talked about involving your partner in the planning, and in the last episode, we spoke with Nelson-based wedding celebrant, Rosemary Lilo. Check her out on Facebook and Instagram, at Nelson Celebrant Rosemary Lilo, if you haven't already. This week, I'm chatting with Sade, who was with us in episode one, and we're going to be chatting about how to select the right photographer for you, as well as the questions you should be asking any photographer that you are looking at hiring for your wedding. So, welcome back to the podcast, Sade. Thanks, thanks for having me back. No, it was it was great to have you last time. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to have back this time as well. Um, so we're obviously chatting about how to go about selecting the right photographer for you. Questions that you should be asking um, photographers. But one thing we didn't cover when we first chatted with you was how you got into photography, and kind of more specifically weddings. Um, sure. So, so tell us a little bit about your journey as a as a photographer. Sure. Um, well, to be honest, I, it's, I know it's kind of a cliche to say you fell into something, but it is kind of what happened with me. Um, I actually studied um, screen, uh, screen arts at first. So I did a degree in screen arts, actually majoring in sound um, as soon as I left school, um, which was really great. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but after a while, I sort of, after working in the film industry for maybe I think it was about a year, I kind of realized that what I was really interested in was more kind of the stuff I'd learned about composition and lighting and all that kind of stuff as opposed to, uh, you know, being a sound assistant, which is the majority of what I was working on at the time. Right. Um, And I guess the other part of it as well is that I um, really, really enjoyed working independently. I always have. And I sort of wanted to kind of get out on my own a bit whereas with the um film work obviously you're working in a large team and I was at the very bottom of the food chain which <laughs> didn't really suit me that much um so it wasn't really until a friend of mine um who had a pretty flash camera and um all the bits and pieces sort of lent it to me just to have a play with one afternoon that I sort of thought oh you know I could re- I'm really enjoying this um which led yeah. to me yeah no sort of perusing Harvey Norman and thinking, oh, you know, do I take this plunge? Do I, do I, do I spend the money? Yeah. Yeah. And I did. Um, and from there it sort of just became uh, a bit of a snowball really. I did a couple of things for me and a few things for some friends. And before I knew it, I had people who were friends of friends who wanted to think me to do things and wanted to offer me money for doing these things. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's best I actually do this legitimately. This <laughs> sort of seems to be coming a, a bit of a thing here. So um, 
after that, um, I sort of went through a bit of a life change. I moved to a different area of town. Um, I made a whole bunch of new friends and I decided, you know what, if I'm going to really make a go of this, now's the perfect time. Yeah. So I just thought, stuff it. And <laughs> I registered I registered my company name and I you know, did all the legal bits and bobs you have to do and I just started doing it. Awesome. <laughs> and haven't looked back since. Cool. So how long have you been shooting kind of quote unquote professionally? Uh, well, the business has been registered for uh, over two years now. Nice. Um, and, but shooting before that for quite a few years, then I had my studying before that. So, um, but yes, Genesis has been in progress officially for about two and a half years. Cool. I suppose it's kind of the same with me. I never planned to be a photographer at all. Um, so my grandfather was um, a long time ago back in Scotland and um, I was actually studying theology with the kind of plan to become a chaplain. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's a, a pretty massive kind of divergence from that. Um, and then I ended up buying a drone just because I thought they were cool and I wanted <laughs> to play with one. And then that led to some people asking for some photos to be taken from a drone, which led to you know, a reasonably successful little you know aerial photo business, which yep. kind of snowboarded into people wanting ground filming and conventional photos as well, which... Yeah. Yeah, again, I kind of just fell into shooting weddings and, um, you know, built kind of a fairly steady little business. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that was kind of, you know, it all started probably four and a half years ago. And I think I've been shooting full time for almost two. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's funny how you sometimes just kind of fall into a new career path, eh? Exactly, yeah. And it, it's so many people, that's why I said it's a cliche. So many people will tell you, oh, no, you know, I just sort of fell into it. But it's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> you don't really, yeah. like, set out with a plan. But I think you sort of end up where you're meant to be, which is yeah. good. So what this whole episode is about. So I think on average I shoot between kind of 25 and 30 wedding, weddings per season during kind of like peak time, um, which also means I talk to a lot of couples, meet a lot of couples. And I think that one thing is often – well, one thing that's really often overlooked is the questions that people should really be asking. Um, I notice a lot of people that I ask, you know, do you have any questions for me? What what can I answer? You know, don't really know in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, you know, we just wanted to meet you, see how we uh, how we vibed, which I think is super important. Yeah. Um, but I think a, a massive thing is that you should really get to know the photographer as best you can um, or the photographers that you're talking to because you really should be talking to more than one, I think. Um, and, you know, ask, ask questions around, you know, you know, how they are, you know, how they do things and that, and a whole range of other questions that we'll, we'll kind of cover throughout the, the episode. So what I did was I put together a list of questions that mm-hmm. I think are important. Then I did some Googling as well and found some okay. other questions that people think are important. Okay. And, um, so I think what we'll do is we'll kind of just go through them and then you can, you know, give me your feedback and we can kind of just discuss them in more detail. Sure. Um, so question one was around, um, I, I think a really major question to ask, but is, gee, I mean, okay, so I should preface this a little bit. You've probably seen the people that you're looking at, you know, their, their work before you're actually meeting with them anyway. I mean, generally you jump on Facebook or the website or whatever before you make a meeting. But one question that I don't get asked a lot, and I kind of wish I did, not so I could brag, but so I have... Um, yeah, some of my clients perhaps have a little bit more comfort with me, but as around how many weddings a photographer's actually shot. Sure. Um, and 
I mean, obviously there's going to be situations where you've got, you know, photographers that haven't been in it that long and they're, they're still, um, you know, building up a portfolio, which is great. Everyone starts somewhere, obviously, and, and I don't think that should be knocked at all. Um, but I think it's generally like a really good indication of what to expect with yeah. um, with your photographer and the photographers that you're talking about. And what um, level that are at, yeah. What, what do you think around kind of the, the general getting to know um, – yeah, the photographer is, is a fairly important part. What do you think? Sure, I mean, like you said, um, I mean, the, the first thing people are going to be looking at, hopefully, is your work. Um, and <laughs> I think for someone who perhaps doesn't have much of a interest in photography themselves, or they've never really thought about it for themselves, it could be it's pretty overwhelming. Um, yeah. You know, you may have seen a few bits and pieces here and there of what kind of style you like, but um, you know, actually finding someone who's then within your budget, um, in the area available on your date, um, and someone you can really click with. That's like the difficult part, isn't it? Yeah, so, definitely. And, and just, yeah. just touching on that, the date I think is a super important thing to bring up when you're emailing mm. photographers. I too <laughs> yeah. often get emails that say, Hey, we'd love to have you involved in our wedding. Um, are you available? But don't actually give me a date. Um, yeah. I occasionally get a month or a year but um mention the date everybody that's important or or even if you're perusing um social media um you know and you're looking for recommendations a date will be very helpful in helping to secure the right person for you super Um, helpful yeah especially if you're organizing less than a year out because you just you know you don't there's no point talking to someone you're really interested in and then finding out that oh i booked that months ago yeah exactly Um, exactly yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to working out who you're going to choose, I guess, obviously, as I mentioned before, looking at the style and the type of images, seeing if you click with something that's there, even if you don't really understand the technicality around it, if you you know you know you're going to like what you see, or if you don't. Um, yeah. And then I think the best thing to do is to break them down in terms of cost <laughs> because yeah. if they're out of your budget, um, you know, obviously we've talked about how we think between us that photography and videography are the most important things to spend your money on, but there's realistic and there's unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so working out where you can stretch to for your budget and then um, singling out the companies that you think will be able to work to your budget. And then from there, um, I think it's really just about um, messaging them and ha- getting a feel for how they are with, in terms of response times and I guess general friendliness, um, there's nothing worse than messaging a vendor and just getting no excitement back or like, you know, like, you know, when, you know, just really no interest in what you're offering. (laughs) So I think um, that's a really good first indication of whether this person's going to be the right person to work with for you. Um, And then hopefully if they're in your area or even if they're not, you know, meeting the person is so important. Um, If it's over Skype or in person, just, to just see if you click, um, yeah. you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with meeting a photographer and saying, it's been great to meet you. I'd like to go away and have a think about it and come back to you. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, exactly. you know, I, <laughs> I always say my consultations are, you know, y- you can walk away if you feel like we're not going to be the right fit because that's so important. I don't want to, um, work with someone that I don't click with either. So, you know, it's 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 okay to meet these people and then not feel like you're committed 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And I think like I had a consult on, on Sunday afternoon and stuff. And as I do with all my consults, I always end them, even if I'm getting a fairly good feeling, you know, you know in my favor, um, I always kind of end it with, Hey, look, go away, have a chat, have a, have a discussion, see whether you guys both think that I would be a good fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and let me know, don't, um, don't feel pressured into into saying yes now because the last thing I want is to book a couple that you know six months down the line realize they're not you know I'm, I'm perhaps yeah. not the best fit for them yeah exactly um so I yeah I mean I always try and just you know don't get a yes straight away which is not it's not right really the best sales technique I suppose you're probably supposed <laughs> to push for the yes straight away <laughs> but yeah, um, always be closing <laughs> yeah exactly but um I I feel that this is kind of the industry that that's not really the best attitude to take in a lot of cases. And I think like you were saying with, uh, with the excitement and you know, really a lot of energy, I felt kind of bad for this couple because I've got a really sore throat. I'm not feeling the best. And I, I wasn't quite as inside excited and as, and, ugh, and as enthusiastic as I perhaps usually would be. But um, like with Facebook, I get so much of my work through Facebook and you know, people, people are always looking for recommendations on the, the bridal pages and stuff. And just responding with say, you know, like a, Hey, hey, super excited for your wedding. Congratulations on getting engaged. I'd love to you know, have a chat or whatever. Um, I think makes all the difference. Um, uh, as opposed to just being like, Oh yeah, this is my website and message me if you want. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that I think is really important, and I've noticed a lot more people kind of doing this um, over the last kind of year or so, but is asking to see full wedding galleries. Um, mm. I, and I'm sure you'll agree, it's super easy to go through a wedding or kind of any shoot and pick out like half a dozen to a dozen like stunning photos. Yeah. And speaking, you know, not just for myself, but for other people as well. I mean, typically you're going to choose your best photos when it comes to marketing and social media posts. Sure. You're not going to want, you know, those slightly blurry photos or the ones where you're kind of testing light or whatever. Um, so I think it's really important to ask to you know, see a full gallery as well. There are a couple. I mean, I tend to send a couple of my latest weddings through to people just so they get a bit of an idea. Yeah, more of an idea of the day, I guess. Um, my general technique is if they're just perusing um, for quotes or um, if I've just been speaking to them online, I usually direct them to my blog where I've got a set of 50 images per wedding up. Um, and then if I meet them on person in person, I bring my iPad with a full wedding on it. Um, but just because I don't um, sort of like, uh, I feel a bit weird about showing someone's entire day yeah. when I haven't met the person yet because it's yeah, so personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I prefer to meet them and then I, I have the option there if they want to look at it. Um, so definitely I think though, yeah, if, if the person you're talking to can only show you, you know, a selection of 20 photos and they're all of different couples, that's something to be aware of. Maybe chuck those photos in a reverse search on Google. <laughs> you know, <laughs> make sure that's all right. Another good thing I think is to, if you're local especially, is to, if you've got some ideas around where you kind of want that that bridal party shoot to be, you know, kind of locations and stuff, to ask the photographers if they've shot there before um, and, you know, ask to have a look at some of those those photos of that location I think is a really cool way not just you know see more of their images but also to get kind of some inspiration and ideas for how you want your shoot to to go away 
Definitely, yeah. Um, I think it, one thing that I'm loving now as I'm sort of um, been doing this a couple of years is because I've shot in so many different places. Now those places kind of coming up again. So I know what to expect when I get yeah. there. And like, I know where there's some good photo spots around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but also, you know, you can always ask your photographer to meet you for the rehearsal or on site any other time, you know. And someone who's really invested in your day, if they're in the area, then they'll make the effort to do that, I think. so. I think I think asking your photographer to go to the rehearsal, assuming they don't have a wedding the day before, um, is kind of a is, is also a really cool way for them to meet the rest of the bridal party as well. Um, I I'm a, a relatively awkward person, so showing up to someone's house to a bunch of people that I don't know, I find that a little uncomfortable sometimes. Sure. <laughs> um, so I think for me, I really enjoy going to the rehearsal because I get to meet you know the the bridal party, the um you know the mother and father of the groom and and husband and uh, groom and what's the other one bride. Um, yeah that slipped my mind um and as well as a celebrant if you've never worked with that particular celebrant before um is is quite good yeah um because obviously they're a a pretty important part of the the day exactly definitely and have a rehearsal i've seen i've seen a few things people now like not having a rehearsal have a rehearsal please (laughs) yeah it's like such an important thing um can't really stress that enough yeah, I haven't run into that yet, but um, mm. I, I would probably, I would probably suggest that people have a rehearsal as well. Yeah, just so you know, like where everyone's going to stand. It's like it's the most basic thing. Yeah, <laughs> that can lead to trouble otherwise. Yeah, and especially if you've got the venue, you know, kind of the day before or whatever. Um, it's also a good opportunity to kind of run through where things actually set up. Um, yeah, we had last season. I had a wedding at a local botanical gardens um, and it was kind of, yeah, it was a little touch and go because the weather wasn't great so we weren't sure whether it was going to be there or not but we had the rehearsal there. All the chairs and stuff were set up so we knew kind of where things were going to be, where people were going to be. Um, so it makes it a lot easier for the photographer as well, I think, if they kind of know where, you know, where stuff's going to be, where those obstacles are going to be and what they're going to have to shoot around um, through the through the ceremony and stuff. Pricing and contracts mm. Mm. is. I've read a few interesting articles uh, written by wedding photographers suggesting like don't you know don't talk about pricing until the very end you know leave it as far as you can. Which personally, as someone that has all my pricing on my website, um, yeah, yeah, I, and the re- uh, the reason I do that is because I really don't want to waste people's time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I would much rather people check it out, and if I'm if I'm within their price range, great. If I'm not, then then that's um, saves us both time. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I I really think that it's important to discuss it. Um, you know, really, you know, really soon after Up front, after contacting. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's and precisely. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, ask to have a look at the the contract as well that you're going to be signing. Um, I, I didn't do that when we got married. We were lucky to have a really amazing photographer. So, um, shout out to Jude Saxton of Hans Vincent here in Nelson. Um, but we, you know, we obviously got all the pricing details up front from him because he, um, you know, I think he had it on his website anyway, but you want to be able to, you know, rule people out or rule people in as, as soon as possible without wasting anyone's time. I reckon. Yeah. And I'm the same. I have the pricing all on my website just for that exact reason 
it's just saves time, <laughs> saves an awkward discussion sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, things like um, asking about deposits and stuff, because I know for, for me and uh, I'm assuming it's fairly standard around the country, um, but I mean, I charge, you know, a 50% non-refundable deposit and then the other 50% is kind of like, oh, I think it's 14 days or 10 days before the wedding. Um, and I think Rosemary and I talked about that in the last um, episode but one of the things that we briefly discussed if you haven't listened to this the second episode go and have a listen to that now well maybe after this episode but have a listen to it <laughs> at some stage um, but we discussed it because a lot of people um, yeah especially if you're doing a full day wedding you can only really take one booking on a day um, you know if it's you're doing many many weddings or whatever which I do occasionally I can take a couple on a day but once you've taken that day, um, any other inquiries that come through automatically get turned down. So, I mean, if you're not, um, if your booking cancels or you're, you know, you change the date of your wedding, you've suddenly lost, or the photographer suddenly lost this big chunk of income, which when you're doing it full time, um, is, is pretty major. Yeah. Um, so I know that's why for me and for a lot of other photographers, the deposits usually non-refundable. Um, and also, the, the other kind of 50% being before the wedding is to really, for me, I don't know about for other people, but for me that's partly to ensure there's kind of no delay in getting photos and or video to you after your wedding. But also, if you're going away on honeymoon straight after your wedding, which some people do, I think that took us like eight weeks or you know, three months or something before we, my wife and I did, but... <laughs> Um, if you're going away straight after your wedding and stuff, the last thing you want to be doing while you're you know, in Rarotonga or Thailand or whatever is worrying about paying a bill um, yeah, you know, for sure. the wedding that's already happened. So, I mean, getting it over and done sure. with is, um, you know, is, is, I think, a really, really important and pretty standard thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, that's the deposit thing is just it's standard business practice really i don't know why it gets questioned um for photographers when really just about anything you book <laughs> is gonna come with a deposit um yeah yeah um i do make an allowance for my couples in that i generally make the balance of mine due um after the wedding date and the reason for that is because i don't rely on it as a single for, uh, source of income um yeah. and I, I i can do it like quite easily without yeah. it being too much of an issue um, but you know, as I get busier and busier, that will change. So yeah, definitely when it's your, uh, your sole, uh, bread and butter, <laughs> getting that payment before the wedding is a, is a big deal. Um, and I, I think, I think most brides and grooms understand that as well. Yeah. I mean, typically, um, you, you, know, you pay your caterer before the wedding generally. I mean, actually I, I've noticed there's a few things that kind of differ from kind of region to region. Things are pretty standardized here, but um, then I noticed I was down in Christchurch last season and um, the videographer for the wedding that I was doing didn't take any payment till after the wedding. Um, None. So oh. there's there's some kind of you know, variation from region to region and, and obviously vendor to vendor, but in general, I'd say things are, are mostly standardized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so another thing that I think is really important to ask is what do you actually get for the money that you're giving the photographer? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I guess we kind of skimmed over the contract part as well, um, kind of ties into that um, in terms of what you're actually getting for your coin. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I don't know about other photographers. I know our photographer didn't do this, but on mine, um, down the bottom, I kind of put everything that's in the package currently. Um, because season to season I do, as I see things work or not work, I change things. And because I'll book kind of two years out, if I book a wedding now in two years, the package is probably going to have changed. So I don't want to um, have people thinking that they're getting less for their money or whatever. So I think, you know, asking for that to be kind of included in there, if you're, you know, a little bit unsure about that, I think is a really important thing to do. Sure. Um, but as well as asking for things like, you know, do you just get digital files? How are they going to be delivered? Is it you know, USB, online gallery, Dropbox, um, you know, any physical prints? If so, what size? Yeah. Um, I think that's the sort of thing that none of those questions are really going to have a standardized answer. They'll probably vary from photographer to photographer, exactly. which is why yeah. I think it's so important to ask. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and things like, um, I don't know about you. I don't really do much in the way of printed albums. Um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do some prints, but generally they're more of a, um, sort of a thank you to the couple rather than anything they've actually paid for. Um, I do do that from time to time, but, um, yeah, because my prices are well, the way my prices are at the moment. I don't include any extras um, for yeah. printing. Um, I mean, if a couple asks me to, I can. Like you know, I can always outsource that kind of stuff. And off typically, I'll know of better places um, than they would. So you know, obviously, I do do that from time to time. Um, but yeah, it kind of seems like a lot of couples these days aren't actually looking for the uh, printed add-ons anymore, the albums and that kind of stuff. Hey, it's all about the digital files. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I thought that was something that was really interesting because looking at, so I don't know if we just, we talked about this in the last episode, but my wife comes from a family of 10 children. Oh, wow. Yeah. They lived, wow. on a, they lived on a farm and I don't think they had television. So you had nothing else Wowie. to say. Um, and all but one of them is married. The, the youngest, he's, I think he's 20 now. Um, so all but one of them are married. And all of them, except for us, have wedding albums. Um, wow. And I think it's it's kind of like a, almost, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but... It's kind of I think <laughs> as time has kind of progressed, it's moved away from prints so much. Like I still offer albums if people want them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I use Queensbury in Auckland, which I'm sure you're aware are, are crazy expensive, and the prices vary yeah. so much because they're such stunning yeah. handmade albums. Yeah. Um. So I think, yeah, unless you're kind of charging huge prices, it's um, it's quite hard to to justify adding that in as a kind of a, as a benefit it's kind of one of those things you have to kind of exactly um, sell and, separately yeah creating an album as well is also another thing on top which takes quite a lot of time um yeah so you know whereas putting them into an online gallery is different it's yeah i think that's the thing like for me i really i usually outsource kind of the album stuff when i've done it I've kind of given it to a graphic designer and gotten them to do it. And then I just send it to, to Queensbury and stuff because it's just so much work, um, especially peak season. Like if it was a case of, you know, I'll shoot your wedding and then in nine months time, you'll get your album then fine. But like, if you don't want to wait that long, it's, 
it's, it's so much work because um, you want it to be perfect and it's it's really hard to make it perfect in a short space of time anyway. But yeah, so it's something that probably should have been closer to the top of the list. Um, obviously, as, as we're aware from the last two episodes, I'm not always the most organized or <laughs> ordered person. That's all right. But um, things like with... With the packages, um, what's offered, you know, time-wise, how many images you expect? I don't, um, and I'm not sure about you, but I know I don't put, like, a maximum number of images. Um, no, not a maximum. I definitely put in a minimum yeah, so they yeah, know what exactly. to expect, but, yeah, no and, maximum. And I think that's just because you have a realistic idea of how many images you can take in a space of time. I always find it really interesting um, when I see on Facebook or, you know, whatever – people offering like a thousand images for four hours coverage and i'm like How? okay that means you're going to be taking a minimum of four amazing images every second for that four hours yeah. without a break i don't think they're amazing ethan um yeah <laughs> yeah i think so, i think some of those are blurry <laughs> yeah so i mean like playing devil's advocate i suppose it may sound appealing to offer huge numbers of images and stuff but i think it's way more important especially when it comes to weddings um, to offer, you know, a good number of great images as opposed to, a, yeah. you know, a huge number of average or below average images, which I think is something that's perhaps, um, you know, that, that sort of thing is perhaps overlooked. In, in certain I always tell, I always tell my couples that they'll have more images than they know what to do with. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Like they're not going to hang every single picture I send them, but it's enough that it gets through the whole day, you know, bits yeah. and pieces that they really wanted and they really needed and then extra. Um, yeah. So definitely I, in my contracts, I always put a minimum so they know how much to expect, but I usually over deliver. <laughs> and I think that's, that's um, yeah. kind of just a better idea than a lot exactly. of these, a lot of these things that I see. Yeah. Kind of some around. things that you, um, you do see come up sometimes is, um, for, t- I mean, uh, brides and grooms wanting to know if you release the raw images to them. Um, I mean, I don't know when this started becoming a thing, but I don't even know how they know that they're called raw images. But anyway, um, <laughs> this um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a funny one. And the reason, I, I guess, the reason why photographers don't release these raw images or every image they take is because I, I like to think that what I'm creating is art, and I would never give you know, um, away my art, which was not completed or was not quite right, or I had to do a do over or something like that. Um, and you just have to kind of trust them on some level. I mean, there's a reason why I'm not giving you like 30 images of derp faces. Like, you know, you're not going to use it and it it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look good on me either. If I'm, you know, showing you the stuff that, you know, I had to reset, take again. So, um, as far as the raw images goes, um, it actually gets a little bit more complicated because I don't think a lot of um, couples understand how the copyright law works <laughs> in New Zealand as well. Yeah. Um, Not know, just couples, we- though. Even a lot of photographers, I've noticed, don't yeah, necessarily understand true. it too well. It's it's true. It's a um, weird kind of web of confusion i think exactly (laughs) i mean the way that i understand it um basically in new zealand we're one of the few countries where when we shoot a wedding or anything really by commission um we have to um take you know request or take the copyright back in our contract um because um you know in other countries 
it arises by commission or something like that. Like the it's copyright that, belongs to people who pay for the images. Yeah. yeah. It's that commission yeah. word that really gets confusing. Exactly. If you ignore commission, yeah. then it's straightforward. But exactly. when people start throwing out the word commission, it's, it's a real, a real pain in the ass. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, I mean, the reason why, um, you know, we, ho- we hold on to that copyright is because it, it doesn't stop you from doing any of the things you want to do with the photos. Yeah. Um, when you pay for the for the images, you're actually paying for a license to use them for anything personal, yeah. printing, social media, whatever you want. It just means that we can't, we're not afraid of somebody using our images for something which is not related to your personal use. Yeah, exactly. Which can and does happen. Um, and that ties it back into the raw image thing um, because if you're handing over raw images, you're basically giving someone a license to edit them or do whatever they want with them. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a tricky one. I think a good way to kind of look at, you know, the whole, the whole raw, uh, raw photo thing is like, you're not going to, if you go to a restaurant and like the chef gives you, you know, raw chicken, he's he's not going to do that. It's, (laughs) we hope not. Well, you'd hope, yeah, you'd hope not, but you'd, you'd hope that the food that you're getting is cooked and is, you know, presented to you in a way that's, you know, tasty and palatable. Appetizing. And it's the same with photos. Um, you know, it's a feast for the eyes perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. I actually really like that analogy. I'm going to use that. (laughs) Go for it. That's great. It's copyrighted though. So you have to pay me a uh, license. Uh, I have okay, noticed bye. when I was doing my research for for this episode, I've noticed that there are a few photographers. I don't do this personally, but there are a few photographers that offer a, a copyright buyout option. Oh no no no! Which I think, darling, is, no. I think is really interesting because a couple of ones that I looked at, I have been you know have been shooting for for twenty odd years. They're they're well known and. I just thought that was a really odd thing for a wedding for like commercial work and, and that sort of thing. I can kind of understand it, but it's, yeah. it's really unusual. Yeah, it is very, very strange. <laughs> and I would love to know how much that is. How much are you yeah, paying? There's no that, prices cause, listed. <laughs> yeah, because I don't have like a figure in my head. If someone wanted to buy all of my images copyright, like, oh my God, it would have to be so much. Yeah, I mean, it's. It would- <laughs> I think one of the things that was brought up with me about the whole copyright thing was someone was like, oh, but if I don't have the copyright, then, yeah, that doesn't stop you from doing anything. It's like, well, that's, I suppose, technically true, but I'm not, you know, who's going to buy your wedding photos? I'm not going to sell them to anyone. No. Um, yeah. You can kind of rest assured that they're. They're pretty They're safe. safe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the thing in my contracts, I say, you know, um, we have like a mutual agreement where if you want to enter your image into a competition, you will let me know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, and likewise, if I want to do something um, with your image, which is not related to directly promoting my business, I will let you know, like a competition or something like that is a good example. Yeah. Um, so it's just about keeping the communication lines open and discussing what <laughs> is appropriate and what's not and you know <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just bringing up um a copy of my contract to have a look because i have something similar in there but i can't remember how i what i've actually put um but I, I i mentioned that because obviously for photographers there's things like wedding magazines and um yeah you know competitions as well i suppose um yeah. that can really benefit a photographer's profile and and their business Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, yeah. yeah, so I said here. Um, submissions to wedding magazines and websites will be made only after consultation with and then the couple. Um, 
so I mean, yeah, I think having having that kind of discussion with with your you know, photographer and obviously with your clients is is pretty important. For sure, definitely. Gear. That was a a, a thing that I get too often, <laughs> and I I really dislike gear questions. Um, Why? <laughs> because I I I so it stems from an article I read probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago in a bridal magazine that said, um, oh, what did it say? It said like, um, wedding, professional wedding photographers only shoot Canon or Nikon cameras. <laughs> and yeah. it really put me off the magazine simply because I was like, like I'm not going to turn away a photographer that shoots with a $25,000 Hasselblad bloody no, you know, yeah. uh, medium format camera. No, I mean, I, I I think first I think the person that wrote that article was somewhat naive, but I think so. Um, I I get gear questions like way too often. Like if you're a gear nut and you're you know maybe you're another photographer or whatever, then yeah, I mean I don't necessarily mind having a chat about it. But like, I think it can be really damaging. Well, that article was pretty yeah you know, potentially pretty damaging. Um, I don't really see the point in um in yeah asking those kind of questions if you don't understand the answer <laughs> yeah yeah and i think yeah you know professionals shoot with the cameras that you know help them achieve the results that they desire for their clients exactly um, and yeah. what a lot of people don't seem to understand and obviously including the author of that article i don't want to keep going on about it but it really <laughs> grinds my gears <laughs> yeah there are brands that far out, out the far exceed the, the Canon and Nikon line of, of pro bodies, you know, Hasselblad, Phase 1, Sony, Panasonic, Leica, they all have way better cameras than Nikon or yeah. Canon currently do. Personally, yeah. as a Canon shooter, I'm a little disappointed in you know Canon's progress <laughs> over the last few years. I think they've kind of stalled. A little bit slow. Hence, yeah. yeah, hence my kind of desire to, to migrate somewhere else. That's not particularly relevant, though. If I shoot, <laughs> if I move to Sony, I'm still a professional. You're still oh, more than welcome gonna- to shoot with me. <laughs> I bet not be lose. one of those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's because I do a lot of video as well. And I mean, yeah. for me, having that that ability to kind of future proof with 4K video and stuff is, is pretty important. Yeah. But that being said, if anyone ever finds that article, please don't read it. Um, I can't remember where <laughs> it was, but there was very little in the way of helpful information in there. Yeah. I think if you really, really must ask about gear, ask helpful questions like things that can help put you at ease things like um uh you know what backups do you have if you have a camera failure on the day do you have spare camera bodies you know do you back up images throughout the day or do you do it all at the end of the day um things that aren't you know directly related to the actual gear but you know kind of satisfy that need for information for for exactly yeah exactly and i think that's maybe maybe that's the kind of questions that um may pop up from time to time um what do you do if your cards fail or something like that oh i have another card <laughs> um you know and how many times do you back up your photos three times you know maybe that kind of stuff is a bit more relevant but when it comes down to the actual brand or gear someone's using it's uh, it's <laughs> i think the eye of the photographer often far outweighs any kind of equipment that they're using i've seen i've seen amazing stuff done on Canon kit lenses which someone who owned like a beautiful beautiful piece of glass may not have the vision to achieve so um 
yeah, I think those kind of questions probably, unless you're really, really interested and knowledgeable, probably aren't even worth asking half the time. Yeah. So future couples that are going to get in touch with me, maybe, maybe take that into account, please. <laughs> don't judge me because of my camera. Yeah, don't judge um, me. <laughs> that being said, I do shoot with, with full frame Canon gear currently, so... Clearly a oh, professional. Well, hey, if, you, if you do, if you do change um, technologies, let me know, and I'll I'll take all the Canon stuff off you. Well, I will. I'll be off in your touch. hands, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think what you were saying about you know photographers that you've seen that have have produced amazing results with kit lenses and stuff, I think it's really important. I watched a um, I watch a lot of YouTube in my spare time because you know I'm lonely and have no friends, but <laughs> I, I watched this video. Um, I think it was like Mango Street Labs or something. And they had, you know, the same model, the same lighting conditions. One had, one of the photographers had a, you know, a 5D Mark IV or 5D Mark III, um, which for those of you don't, that don't know is a, a, you know, a professional line camera. And then one had like a, a Rebel T5i, which I think is the 550D, you know, the 500D yeah. or something, which is like a really entry level camera. And then they gave the, I think they gave the, the professional camera to someone that had, you know, never really used a DSLR before, but the crop sends an entry-level camera to a pro and the photos that were produced from the the crop sensor camera though they're not going to enlarge huge you know amazingly they were incredible photographs because it was less about the camera and more about the person actually taking the photographs which i think is really important to keep in mind Um, exactly but yeah some of the first stuff that I did, I did obviously did on a, a crop sensor because that's what I could afford. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> and some of those, that stuff still stands up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll still go back and look at it and go, you know what? Like, I could maybe tweak one or two things, but actually it looks really good. <laughs> I think, so, yeah. And I think for me, like, I was the same. I started on crop sensor gear because it's what I could afford. It's, yeah, I think it's actually because it's just what I started with, so I didn't really see the need to. And I probably at that stage didn't understand the difference fully. Yeah. Um, but looking back at those photos now, though I'm not particularly happy with some of them, <laughs> there's a lot of them that once they're re-edited in my current style and the way I, I edit now, are fine. There's no real difference yeah. to... You know, I mean, I'm going to get better enlargement performance from you know, a 5DS pro camera than I will a, you know, a 550, but marginally, and I mean, it's not that big of a deal when it comes to weddings because no one's going to be blowing your photos up to the size of a billboard. No, um, that you know of. And if they are, that's cause for concern. And that's, that's <laughs> when we need to have a discussion about that licensing <laughs> fee and the copyright yeah, buyout yeah. again. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so other things to, I think that are important to chat about with, with your photographer, just basic things really. Um, things like their style, how directive they are. For me, I'm a really candid kind of fly on the wall, and I hate that term, but it's the best I could think of, um, <laughs> kind of photographer. I don't really um, get too in your face unless it's with, um, you know, for the bridal portraits and stuff. But throughout the day, I just kind of mingle and wander. Um, so I think asking yeah. that sort of question is important because if you've got kind of an idea of what you want your photos to yeah. look like, how you want them to, to appear, it's kind of good to understand what sort of photo style exactly exactly and even if there's a difference of opinion like there's some things that um i won't do like (laughs) um i won't really do anything um involving color selection (laughs) 
um, the whole like everything is black and white except the rose, which is yeah, red. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, no, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, and if the you know the, my style again as well, like you, I'm very um, documentary. I obviously do when we go for the bridal portraits, try to do something with the couple, which is a bit kind of dramatic and cinematic. Um, but majority of the time, it's very documentary approach. So if you ask me to do something which is totally posed and a little bit, um, you know, and <laughs> not cliche, that's the wrong word, but yeah. just something that's not for me. Um, you're going to be disappointed because I'm not going to initiate it, yeah. you know, and you're not going to initiate yeah. it because you're going to be thinking about getting married. So, yeah, um, definitely it's something to talk about what kind of a style the person has, some of which you can glean from the you know, prior work and a lot from which, you know, just talking to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or reveal. Yeah. I mean, and, and other things are, and it sounds kind of creepy to a point, but really observe the way the photographers react or not react, but interact with you. See how they actually, um, you know, how they talk about what they do, how they talk about your wedding. Yeah. Are they passionate about it? Is it something that really gets them, you know, juiced up? Yeah. Again, hate that saying, but I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I like that. Um, juiced up. Yeah. But I mean, is it, is it something that really gets them excited? I mean, for me, um, you know, I really love what I do. So, I mean, it's something that always excites me. Um, so, I mean, that's, I suppose for me, not the greatest judge because I'm just always <laughs> excited about photos, but, yeah, um, yeah. but really keep an eye on and actually kind of observe how, how they are, because it'll also be a reflection of how the day's going to go and kind of how, um, you know, how they're going to be on the day with, with you and with your guests and your family and stuff. I think we've kind of covered a lot of stuff. Is there anything in particular that you think is, is a really important st- set of questions to ask or anything that you think is important to, to mention or bring up with the photographer when you're kind of I definitely, them interviewing them? It's not so – like you were saying before, it's not so much what is said but the way it's said. And um, you just get a feel for people, don't you? Um, I mean, I like to think of myself as being a very, like, bubbly, you know, out like, you know, outgoing person. But that might not be for you, <laughs> um, you know. Um, and if you, you know, really, if you talk to the person and you do feel that click, then you know, go for it. But there's, but on the other flip side of that, if you don't, don't feel like you're obligated to go ahead with someone just because you've just spent an hour of their life talking about your wedding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really important. I mean, for for us, that time that we spend with you is it's part of it. If you don't book, it's, it's just part of the job. If you don't book, then honestly, it's not yep. going to hurt our feelings. But exactly. do let us we're, know we're that you're right. not going to book. Um, yeah. I Every so often I get inquiries and we go through that whole process and then someone else is hired, which again is fine. I'm not going to try and press you into hiring me. But let me know so I can open that date back up for other couples. Um, yeah, exactly. Because I kind of pencil people in. Um, oh, for sure. So that yeah. way I don't you know, try and book other people in on those dates and then have the first person that got in touch miss out, which I, you know, some people don't do that, but I, I think it's a really good thing to kind of just keep those lines of communication open. Even if it's just a, a message on Facebook, a text, an email saying, Hey, thanks for your time. We're going with someone else. It works on the flip side as well. You know, like I've had to break up with a client one time. Um, nothing had been signed yet. Nothing had like gone ahead, but I, you know, you just get that vibe where it's like, you know, it's not really like gelling. Um, and I, you know, you just have to be upfront and say, Hey, you know, 
I feel like maybe you're kind of needing more attention to this and, or I could, I think that we're not quite as good of a fit as I originally thought. Yeah. Um, here's some options, which I think would be really great. Um, and just being honest <laughs> because yeah. you don't want to end up, you know, nine months down the road at the wedding or, you know, whatever. And just for going, Oh no, <laughs> this is, this is not going to work. You know, hasn't happened, you know, that hasn't happened to me yet, but you know, it's, I think a lot of the time if you're if you get those good vibes when you're finally get around to actually talking to them properly then you know you'll be all right. Yeah. Um the only other thing that I could think of um that I think is is pretty important to ask is kind of what the the turnaround time from the wedding to actually receiving images and stuff is. Yeah. Like it's oh, yeah. it's not a super important question like it's not going to make or break a booking generally but it's good to know. I mean for me and I think this is fairly standard nationwide. It might not be, but it seems to be from what I've been able to find. It's usually around kind of six to eight weeks, especially during peak time. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, six to eight weeks would be the average. Maybe four would be on the lower side. Twelve is the very, very end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if you haven't received your photos in twelve weeks, you should, you know, be asking some hard questions. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think for me, I I always try and get kind of half a dozen to a dozen images through within a day or two. So you've got something because I really, one thing I encourage kind of couples and celebrants to do is tell people, especially at the ceremony, to, you know, not take any photos, turn your phone off, whatever. Um, and for the rest of the day, don't post anything online until the couple have. Um you know, so I like to make sure that my couples have some images fairly quickly. So obviously, so they're not you know holding their friends up from posting anything. But less less than that, so you've got something to to see and get really excited about. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then every so often, if I've got time over that you know time leading up, I'll trickle out a few more a few more images to them and stuff. So they've got um you know kind of builds that excitement. But I think in general, kind of like you said, that that six to eight weeks is fairly fairly average. Exactly. Yeah, I do. So that's one question I probably see more than most is um, in Facebook forums or what have you is I've been waiting six weeks for my photos. What's the average wait time? I'm getting so, you know, anxious or whatever. Well, first of all, check your contract because you, <laughs> it should be there. Yeah, exactly. If it's not, then if it's not in your contract, they, they pretty much can take however as long as they want. And that's a problem. Um, but normally average, like we said, six to eight weeks, sometimes, well, I mean, back when I was less busy, four weeks was my general time, but I've actually changed mine to eight weeks this year because it's just unrealistic. Um, but again, it should be in your contract. And if you're having these kind of doubts, like, you know, you don't have to speak like to a general forum, like talk to the person that's actually doing the work <laughs> and maybe get an idea. Um, if you ask like, one off like how's it going we we don't we don't mind i mean if you're if you're messaging or texting us um non-stop then that's gonna get a little bit uh, uncomfortable but yeah um if you're worried about the expectation that's been set and the, you know you haven't got what you expected then you need to speak to the person that you made the the deal with to begin with <laughs> yeah i've just i'm just looking through my contract and i realize i don't specify how long <gasps> it takes i didn't Ethan, i've i've gotten no. here like that they you, know, you can you can expect images within a few days you know like teaser images within a few days but i haven't actually put how long to expect images i usually always mention that i'll be like hey i'll be in touch with you in the next couple of days and then i'll flick them email saying hey it's the wait time is around six to eight weeks so they know roughly how long it's going to take 
Um, and I also have this cool little tracker on my website. So I update it as I'm working so clients can see how long it's going to take roughly for their, their stuff to be either sent out or uploaded or whatever. Um, but I think, yeah, as you said, kind of asking, asking questions, I think for, for the lack of, or for, to maintain the least amount of awkwardness possible, like once a fortnight, (laughs) flick them a text once a fortnight, if you're getting really antsy, but, but otherwise, I mean, photographers are generally, even after the wedding, pretty happy to answer your questions, I think. Yeah, um, and we're not holding anything back because we want to be meaning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all photographers that I know personally work ex- extremely hard and ridiculous hours and want to get you the photos as soon as possible because they've likely got like multiple clients. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to help out. So, um, you know, it's if if you are worried, then get in touch. But um, if the expectation's been set, then maybe just wait yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it says um you know four to six weeks and it's been three weeks then maybe, maybe wait yeah <laughs> wait a week yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that's wise <laughs> i suppose one other thing that you could ask um if it's if it's of interest i mean i i personally shoot alone quite regularly i do have a little list of people that i you know have as second shooters and stuff but asking if you know if your package comes with a second shooter yeah, you know, ask you know, who who it is. Um, you know, if if you're that interested, if you want to meet them or whatever. Um, I've had one of my couples ask to meet their second shooter, which I was more than happy to do. Um, but I mean, ask you know, just just ask questions about that if you're if you're interested. If you're not, um, I, I have found that most people aren't that interested. Um, no, I mean, yeah, most of the time I'm second shooting with my husband, but if he's not available or you know, um, I usually, well, it, actually it, it's only happened once. Um, I'm getting someone on board for a wedding. I've got this season. Who's not my husband. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be quite nice having uh, someone new alongside. But as far as the second shooter thing goes, most photographers will hire someone who is fairly, um, similar in terms of what they do themselves. Um, and the editing in like 90% of cases is done by, the main photographer so it's not really something to worry about um but if you've got one awesome that's cool yeah yeah so thank you again Shade, for joining us on the what is i think the third episode yeah we're yeah. fortnightly so third episode and um i'm sure we'll have have reason to speak again Great, I'd love to. I'm off on my honeymoon tomorrow, so uh, that's exciting. <laughs> looking, hopefully, when I'm listening to the episode, it will be with a cocktail in my hand next to the pool. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Do you know where you're going? No, uh, the entire honeymoon's been in the works um, by my husband, and I'm not finding out until right before we go to the airport. So, awesome. wish me luck on that. <laughs> oh, so he's not going to blindfold you and then wait till you're actually oh, landing. No, <laughs> no. I, I put my foot down. <laughs> <laughs> Got to know. Just in I case. have to know before we fly. <laughs> um, I know you gave it to us in the first episode, but give us your yeah, your website and your social media again and um, so people can hit you up. Yeah, well, you can find me on all of the things at Genesis Photography NZ, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Photography NZ, and at genesisphotography.co.nz. Awesome. Hey, cool. Thanks again, Shade, and we will talk again soon. Enjoy your honeymoon. Cheers, Ethan. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wild Love Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 
And don't forget, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wild Love Podcast.